You know, we often hear that wisdom and compassion in the Dharma are like the two wings of a bird and that you need them both to fly, which is a lovely sentiment, but it begs the question, where's the bird? Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. I look forward in this episode to exploring that question with you, but first I have an update about changes to my December retreat at Hartwood Refuge and Retreat Center in Hendersonville, North Carolina, changes that have developed just here in the last couple weeks. I definitely have mixed feelings about this announcement. My daughter Erin Ray and I first talked about this upcoming December retreat when I was invited onto Hartwood's 2019 calendar, but that was back in early 2018, right after I'd finished teaching a retreat there. Life has changed a lot for both of us since then, just like it has for many people, but one thing that has especially changed for Erin is her travel schedule. She's been touring for several years now but this year has been especially full, and she isn't really going to get a leisurely season in the fall and winter as she had in years past. So she has had to let go of the idea of joining me for the Training the Heart, Lifting Your Voice retreat. She is sorry about that, and so am I. But I'm also really glad for her to take care of herself, and proud of her actually, to be taking care of herself in a way that lets her life be more sane. This, that, so that's been one set of mixed feelings. But there are new feelings of excitement and gratitude, because it turns out that one of my highly qualified Dharma sisters is going to co-facilitate with me. Maureen Hall is another ordained Dharmacharya. She came through the same program I did, and she is also half of the beloved folk duo Bliss Hippie, where she sings and plays with her husband Richard. In addition to her artistry, and partly with her artistry, Maureen has also been an important part of Venerable Panyawati's vision of being a voice for the voiceless in the world. So Maureen gets what we're doing with this retreat more than anyone else I can imagine. Plus, it'll be fun for me to get to collaborate with her on this and enjoy a good long weekend teaching together. So we'll get more info about that up on the web as soon as we can, but wanted you to have this background tip for those of you following closely. You can still make your reservation for the Tending Your Heart, Lifting Your Voice retreat at heartwoodrefuge.org. The information just needs to be updated is all. The retreat will still be Thursday evening, December 5th, to Sunday morning, December 8th of this year, 2019. Now, speaking of gratitude, I'll also just briefly share my enjoyment of the fact that the Oxford Practice Group is growing so quickly with people who have already been so dedicated in practice and showing such gladness to practice together. Also, please do remember you have the option of joining us online for our book study Wednesday evenings at 7 Central Time. That group is actually growing a bit too, and we have just begun reading Heartwood of the Bodhi Tree. Even the foreword to that book was so impactful and beautifully written. Whenever you can join us, you'll get something from it, whether you can attend regularly or not. 
Information on both of those groups is available on our website, deepsouthdharma.org. And then for those of you who plan to be with us at Mindful Nashville in Tennessee next Saturday, Jaya and I are really excited and looking forward to seeing you. We have a good number of people set up for the day, but there is room for more if anyone else wants to join us. Take a look at our website or visit mindfulnashville.com for details. Okay, lots of happy anticipation present right now with all of these plans for the coming weeks and months. But right now, we can prepare to consider this week's topic on the podcast, which is, Where's the Bird? You know, we often hear that wisdom and compassion in the Dharma are like the two wings of a bird and that you need them both to fly, which is a lovely sentiment, but it begs the question, where's the bird? Or maybe it's more precise to ask, what is it that's flying? What is it that has some weight to it so that wisdom and compassion are needed to lift it up or maybe sometimes even need to shelter it? My current understanding is that virtue, or sila, to use the Pali language term, is the unnamed flying hero in this metaphor. And it's not just me. In the evening puja used by the Western Forest Sangha, under the supreme praise of the Buddha, it describes the Buddha as one whose being is composed of purity, transcendental wisdom, and compassion. The intentional practice of purity or of virtue has the power to purify our motives, our motives being naturally mixed in conditioned human nature. And as a result of purer motives, our emotional experience even becomes purer over time so that we have a more natural response to our emotions, whether we find them pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral without the extra suffering created through constantly seeking to shore up a particular sense of self or to be seen in a certain light. So if wisdom and compassion are two wings, virtue is the heart, the muscle, the feet of the Dhamma. Virtue can be lifted up and it can also provide grounding. In the most conventional terms, virtue refers to the training in non-harming that we lay people undertake as the five precepts. It's not about craving to be a virtuous person or to be seen as a virtuous person. It's about wanting to contribute to and benefit from the boundless protection of the Dhamma, the way things actually are. It's about committing to an ongoing training in non-harming to seeing all the ways that harming is part of mainstream life and to eliminate it from our own lives wherever we come to see that we can. 
at its foundation, virtue is about getting free of delusions one has about the self and what one needs to be happy so that we can come into harmony with reality and truly be happy. The five precepts are stated as follows, or stated similar to these. One, I undertake the practice to abstain from killing living beings. Two, I undertake the practice to abstain from stealing, whether that's money, material objects, or credit, or other people's time without their permission, which could be viewed as another way of taking human life. Three, I undertake the, I undertake the practice to abstain from causing harm through misuse of the tremendous power of sexuality. Fourth, I undertake the practice to abstain from causing harm through misuse of the tremendous power of communication, whether that's through harshness or lying or gossip. And fifth, I undertake the practice to abstain from the use of substances or processes that cloud the mind or lead to heedlessness. There was a time when I worried that this list of things to abstain from or to avoid came across as too negative. And there are other versions that approach virtue from a list of affirmatives. For example, maybe the best known example, the five mindfulness trainings of Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village tradition is really helpful for exploring examples of the ways in which these five can be practiced affirmatively. It's actually very useful for getting ideas on what one might do instead. But I later came to a view, and this is my current understanding, that the older version is actually more spacious for me because it's just not possible to list all the examples of what one could do that would be free from harm. But if you can just come to understand fully those things that are harmful and to know that you can enjoy the whole wide world of other things there are, minus these five, your world is even bigger. It is important to name what causes harm because one result of the spiritual disease of eyeing and mying is being deluded about what's harmful. Because the human brain likes to feel good now, or at least not to feel unpleasant now, it's easy to be deluded into not seeing that what displeases us in any given moment isn't necessarily a bad thing. And then, of course, we live in a culture that heavily reinforces that, the pleasure-seeking and the self-justifying. And that's true whether that selfing wears the face of ego inflation or ego deflation, whichever it is that seems to aid those who want to increase their money or power. But here's the problem with all of that. It leads to suffering. Living in the safety of the precepts keeps us grounded in harmony with our true nature, with how things actually are. And while safety is often eschewed in our deluded society, living in safety need not be boring at all. In fact, it's when we don't feel safe that our lives spin in the same old repetitive patterns. We need a sense of safety to love, to be creative, and to play. 
keeping precepts to the best of our ability, we see again and again how much we are like all other people. And our wisdom and compassion both increase with that insight. But precept practice is not the only way available to us to cultivate virtue. We humans really seem to thrive with some kind of devotional practice to give us the warmth and inspiration needed to keep to our good intentions. For some people, it may be that regular meditation is an expression of our devotion to freedom. Even if our meditation doesn't seem overtly devotional in nature, the truth is, if we're practicing regularly, no matter how we feel, we are affirming that there is something more important to us than continually trying to satisfy cravings just to be comfortable in the short run. But in addition to meditation, other people may want to add other aspects to their practice. You may want to experiment with puja practice, for example. This is the chanting one hears in monasteries, uh, in certain Buddhist monasteries, or on retreat, um, singing hymns, singing in ways that connect you to your aspirations. Or for, for still others, the practice of bowing or kneeling to begin and end your day or to begin and end a time of meditation with bowing or prostrations is a powerful action for overcoming unbeneficial patterns. It really affirms with the entire body our intention to release old patterns and to release delusions of self to more fully experience reality. So these are practices that actually can increase our intimacy with life as it really is. However we practice, seeking always to increase our virtue strengthens those muscles that allow the wings of wisdom and compassion to move, to work, maybe flapping laboriously at first, but eventually attaining currents of dhamma that allow us to glide with a bit less effort. Let's sit with that for one minute.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.